podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Boom, we're on. And today's guest, we've got Vinnie Bradish. Okay, nice to meet you, James. First of all, just want to say thanks for coming on, Vinnie. No, Gary, you're welcome. Um, you and your brother's got a reputation, allegedly robbing over 200 banks, fans. So he's had a bit of time in prison. I believe your brother's doing, is it seven yeah, life sentences? Yeah, he's doing seven or eight life sentences. Yeah. He got, yeah. So yourself, mate, very colourful past. Yeah. So we'll go right back to the start, though. Okay. Just tell me where you grew up and how it all began. Well, I grew up in northwest London in Wilsdon um, on Curzon Crescent. And um, your older brothers or the older, older lads and all that would be doing whatever they were doing and all that. And I remember the, um, one bit of the memory that sticks into me was uh, where they broke into um, a lorry full of alcohol and they had nicked all the beer and all the spirits and all that martini, I think it was, and hid it. And us little kids found some of it, you know, and started swigging bottles of it and all that. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at home that night, my mum was trying to wash me and I was, she, I was vomiting or whatever from the drink, you know. No, that was the earliest I remember. How old were you? Probably about 10. <laughs> <laughs> 10 <laughs> or 12 years old, something like that. Yeah. I know, yeah. How was your upbringing? Yeah, I was happy with the upbringing, you know. Uh, there was nine of us uh, in the family. And we had a good upbringing, I would say, yeah. Like, it was, we wasn't wealthy, obviously. And, um, but we was earning money from a young age, you know, like going around. Me and my two younger brothers would go out knocking on people's doors, asking them if they wanted anything up the shops, uh, any shopping or if they wanted their dustbin emptied or anything, you know. Yeah, and anything. That's what we do, yeah. To get an extra bit of cash. Anything to earn money, yeah. And you give all that money to our mum and that would help to buy, buy food for the family and stuff. What was secondary school like for you? Uh, Did you well, go much? I, yeah, I, I went until I was old enough to, to play truant, you know. And then I, because I never liked school from the time I went in there, even in the infants, I never liked it wasn't for me, you know, and um, I never liked it from the junior school, like right up to secondary school, I couldn't stand school. What age did you start getting into trouble? Um, probably when I was about 15, 16, 16 years old, something like 17, yeah. What kind of stuff were you involved in? Um, I think I got involved in a fight and um, I ended up getting a prison sentence for that. And, uh, and even before that, I think I used to do shoplifting and stuff. and. Um, and I'd get arrested for shoplifting, and, uh, and that would be it, you know? Yeah. Well, so your first prison sentence, you were 16? Oh, I was probably about 17, and I got sentenced to detention centre. Uh, I think that was for a theft and a burglary and a couple of assaults. Yeah. What was that experience like then, first time inside? In detention centre, um, it was like, what well, they used to call it back in them days, a short, sharp shock. And, uh, and it was, like, as soon as you get off the van, you've got to run full, full steam ahead to get into the building and that and but um i liked all the physical exercise you know and uh, and so i'd been in the army cadets as well so i knew about boxing blankets and and all the regime that was in there uh, i was used to it you know so yeah. it was like home from home to me did that make you worse the first time you went into detention once you came out no i don't i don't think it made me worse that was just it was just the way i am i went in and i came out the exact same way what was your first robbery like the first robbery, uh, it was good. The adrenaline was flying, you know, and I was, I was happy with it, and it was successful. So that's what kind of kicked you on to 
be involved in more stuff. Doing more robberies, yeah. yeah. What was your first big job? Um, I, I can't really remember the first big job. Like, even obviously on the first, first bank I robbed, I got about 10 grand out of it. And so um, that was good for me. I was happy, you know. Mm. And, I, and I thought to myself, flipping hell, I thought, the, the rob really took less than 30 seconds and I'm out with 10 grand. I thought, I've never had 10 grand before in my life. Was that a bank? Yeah, it was a bank, yeah. And, um, how many was involved? How many was involved in that? Yeah. Uh, two of us. Did you just plan it or was it just a kamikaze yeah, yeah. job? No, that was just planned, that was, yeah. Yeah, because obviously you've been in the prison a few times for the bank stuff because one of the men you was in your team you worked with he turned queens against you that's right yeah, yeah. And he stuck you in for was it 50 banks and you get uh, charged he for? accused us he said that we were responsible for about 100 he said he stole us over 100 cars so that would be 100 offences you know 100 robberies yeah. or something like that and he turned queens he turned queens evidence yeah so that he will get a lesser sentence yeah mm. so when you started carrying on with the bank jobs <coughs> how was was it the adrenaline rush or was it the money you wanted what was the yeah, yeah. I think I've like done it mostly for the money, you know, and sometimes like, but even if I had some money, I would still do them. Like, if my partner in crime, if he wanted to do some something, then I'll go in there and back him up. And um, so your partner in crime was your brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just both of you. Yeah, both of us. Yeah, yeah. So, when your brother's doing is it eight, seven, eight life sentences. He got about he got about seven life sentences when he was with me, and then uh, he's been sentenced to I think another concurrent life sentence. Um, in 2013 yeah. your brother was he in home leaves and he was robbing banks yeah, on yeah, day release yeah fucking mad that yeah I know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well he come back out of prison up, we came, he came out of prison after 10 years uh, 10 or 11 years the same as myself and you come out and you haven't got no money so um, he's gone back to what he knew best yeah. you know what was your first big sentence Vinny uh, the first big sentence uh, before these robberies yeah um, I did uh, 18 months was the longest sentence I got. 18 yeah. months, I think it was uh, Borstal. Uh, 18, uh, 18 months uh, when I just turned 21, yeah. I was a young offender or whatever they call it. When did it start coming on top for you? When did you start being known? Because in the papers, did they call you the Dirty Dozen? Or? Yeah, they called us the Dirty Dozen, yeah, because there was about 12 of us. And, yeah. uh, we wasn't all working together, but we, was all, we all knew each other. And uh, um, when it started coming on top for us, did you say? Yeah. Um, before 2000 I was arrested in February 2000 and um, and even for the last couple of years before that we'd seen a uh, old bill were following us everywhere you know and uh, like helicopters motorbikes and uh, in cars and on foot yeah. they was everywhere so what was your first sentence Ford Banks it was that one uh, that sentence I got I got 22 years for that and um, 22 years for conspiracy to rob and 22 years for possession of firearms to run concurrent because they couldn't prove any of the single robbery, uh, single <laughs> wobblies, wobblies. Yeah, they couldn't, uh, so they probably couldn't uh, convict us if they'd have done on separate charges, or mm. I might have got off with a few. So they flung them all together, and it's harder for you to get out of it. It's a conspiracy charge, yeah. So that's what they're saying. How many banks did they convict you with then? I got convicted of um, 11, <coughs> 11 robberies. I think it was on one or two attempts. What prison did you go to? I uh, went to a few different prisons. I started off in Belmont, uh, in Wormwood Scrubs. Uh, then I went from there to Belmarsh for the trial. Then, um, then when I got convicted, 
uh, I was made a Cat A prisoner, and then they put me onto the high secure unit uh, within what within Belmarsh, and I stayed on there for six months, and then um, then I went from there to Whitemore, Whitemore to Rye Hill, Rye Hill to um, can't remember where it was. Then I went to a Cat C Nick, then eventually a Cat D Nick, and got out. Yeah, well. Uh, so that was 12 years out of your life sentence? Yeah, it was about 11 years. I got out after about 10 and a half years. And uh, when I finally got into an open prison, I went out and I had a few pints of beer. And when I, I came back to the prison, I was steamed up. And um, so they sent me back to a closed prison for about another 18 months. Because you had a drink? Yeah. Was that part of your parole? No, part of the conditions when you're getting day release, you're not supposed to drink. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I did. And so uh, that was a backward step for me. So I'd done about another 18 months for that. And then I got released from uh, HMP Wayland in Norfolk. Have you been out ever since? Yeah. Were you in with your brother? Yeah, we was in together for a good, a, a good part of the sentence here and there. Sometimes we was banged up in the same cell. Sometimes we were next door to each other. Or we was on the same wing in the same prison and all that. Do you look back at it, Vinny, and go, that was crazy? What you did, what you're involved in, the adrenaline, and obviously your life's quieter now. You want to speak out, you want to get books made, documentaries. Mm. What do you think when you think back on it all? Well, on the, sometimes you think, like some people ask, oh, do you regret it? And sometimes you might think, oh, you do. But then sometimes you're thinking, what's the point in regretting it? What's done is done, you know? It's like, it's the bad, the bad side of it. You miss your family growing up. And, um, and so that's the main thing you miss when you're inside. And... Uh, yeah. But that's it, you know. How's your brother? He's fine, yeah. He's doing a degree in criminology now and he's, he's uh, got one exam paper left and they're, and they're expecting him to do very well. Like um, a university lecturer has been in to see him and he's praising him. He's saying he's got the highest marks doing the criminology course, you know. It's funny, isn't it? Because you see people who do crime or people think they're daft or it's crazy, but... They've all got the mindset to, to change their life and be educated on whatever it is. It's just certain circumstances that you yeah. chose that path. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the boy who turned Queens against you, did you know? When did you know that he was turning a snitch? Well, um, he started mixing up with us in about 1995 and he didn't come with a very good name, you know? And... Um, um, so he was mixing up with us a lot when we used to go to the pub and all that and he wasn't very liked but I didn't really like him much anyhow and, but he was, he was useful because he was able to nick the cars you know we wasn't able to get the cars and so we would use him for that and then he got involved he was doing the robberies as well and, um, but we suspected we kind of suspected that he was up to no good but the way we used to think we used to say well if he is working with the old bill we used to say well how come they haven't come and nicked us because we've seen them following us all the time. And, um, and nothing ever happened, you know? So he goes, well, they obviously haven't got any evidence and, and this, that and the other, you know? Yeah. What was your biggest job, Vinny? Um, well, how much money yeah. we'd got. I think it was sometime when we used to rob a Thomas Cook. Like, sometime we'd get a load of money out of them. You might get a hundred grand and, um, and a load of traveler's checks and you would sell the traveler's checks as well. So that would make you another load of money. And you would get a load of foreign currency as well. You know? so what were you doing with your money when you had yeah, all that dodge? You would just go out and spend it and party, you know? Yeah. yeah. There's a, a few photos of the champagne lifestyle. You and the brother always toasting. Yeah. Um, champagne. Yeah. Was it just live fast? Was it what? Just live fast. Yeah, it was, yeah. You just 
you were just living fast, robbing banks nearly every week or whatever, whenever it suited us. And, um, and just go to the gym training during the day. Might do a couple of days work here and there on a building site and then that job would fall through or for one reason or another, you'd be back at, back at it again, you know. What's the most jobs you've done in one day? Uh, just the one in the one day, you know. Yeah, that would be enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. What was the feeling like after you did a job? It was just, um, it was just happiness, ain't it? You, you were happy. You were just saying, yeah, and you'd be laughing. You'd say, like, cheering and clapping your hands and all that stuff. So, yeah, we've done it again. And even though you've seen all the old Bill everywhere, it was just like... It just become a game, like in the end, like you're, like you're, you're, you feel like you're outsmarting them. And we used to be saying, how come they're called a flying squad and they're everywhere and they can't catch us? Yeah. And, uh, but that was that, you know? But eventually they did. Well, the thing is, um, with the help of Stephen Roberts, uh, the guy that turned QE, he set my brother up to be arrested. And um, so my brother got arrested after Roberts set him up. And, uh, and with me, I wasn't arrested doing anything. I was driving down the road with a girl that I was seeing at the time. And um, that was it. Armed police just ambushed the car and dragged me out of the car, yeah. gave me a bit of a hiding, and that was it. How have you managed to keep your nose clean now and stay out? <clears throat> uh, how do I manage to uh, stay out of the trouble now? Yeah. Is, um, well, I just changed my lifestyle since I come out and all that. I got into... Um, I suppose when I started doing education when I was in prison, I started doing my GCSEs, English and this, that and the other, and learning about attitudes and values and, you, uh, and this is stuff that you hadn't really, I mean, even though you have your own values when you're growing up, but no one's ever put it in black and white and talking about them. You haven't sat around because I wasn't able to, at school I wasn't able to do anything for whatever reason, I don't know. And so then and, um, a few years into my sentence, I'd started like doing the education, you're reading books, and you're just picking up this book and that book and it starts making you feel like personal development stuff like by Anthony Robbins or and some other people, you know, and, and, and next one they're teaching you techniques of how to manage your emotions better, how to feel better. And uh, sometimes you do a course, in a, like when they, they, they would teach us um, some enhanced thinking skills courses and I'd go on them and when I'd come off, I used to, it was like my brain had been switched on, you know, I used to love doing them. Yeah. And they were like, they're like kind of psychology based. So you start to try to understand the mind, the way you felt, yeah, emotions, yeah. and try to rewire it and change it all. Yeah, because I used to be saying to myself, and I'll be thinking back over the years, why was I always getting nicked? Like, um, I was in a police station once, and I seen my name had been scratched on the door from about 12 years before, and I was in, the old, I was in that police station for a whole weekend. And I'm thinking, what the fuck am I still doing here again, you know? And you, and you can't put your finger on it, why? It's, and it's just the way you're thinking about yeah, things. The vicious cycle, isn't it? Is and the jobs that I was getting, like I was working in a building industry here and there, and uh, and the jobs were never fill, they weren't fulfilling for me, you know. Yeah. So how do you feel walking by banks now? Do you still get? Yeah, yeah. It, excited, it doesn't bother I me. No, I don't even. I don't bother with them, you know. Like I wouldn't be interested in robbing them because um, I've done my bit and uh, I'm not interested in them now. Now I work for my money. Uh, and I'm not having to look over my um, shoulder every day or nothing and with the old bill following me around as they was for years it becomes a pain in the arse and you don't want that pain in the arse any longer do you still get any grief off them? no never? no how now then Vinny through it all through all your madness all the alleged banks how are you feeling now? you feel content? you feel happy? yeah I feel great yeah, yeah, yeah. I never felt better what do you think of the prison system now? Uh, I think it, from what I ever 
I don't see nothing much of it, you know, or hear anything of it. And um, sometimes I, I, I hear of improvements that they've made, like just even putting phones in people's cells and all that kind of stuff. Because the prison uh, the system, all it's do, a lot of what it's doing is breaking people's families up. And um, I know the people, the victims, they want, they want their justice and all this kind of stuff. But so, well, that's what the prison does mostly, is break families up. And it's when that's breaking them up, if you're sending the father away to prison, or whatever, then what's going to happen to the, that person's kids or whatever? And next one, they could be turning into crime or whatever. And they've got that, they've got that um, connection with the police and all that kind of stuff. How was your family when you were going through all your trouble as well? How did they treat you? Um, well, they just, they, they used to come up and visit me all the time, you know, and they visit my brother Sean as well. And so uh, we kept the family ties strong between the most of our family. Yeah. yeah. And now you're involved in salsa dancing. That's right, yeah, yeah, How yeah. did that come about? Well, I was in a hostel when I got released from prison down in Cricklewood in northwest London. And um, I went into the Crown Moran Hotel and I accidentally um, overheard a Latin music being played upstairs in a dance hall. And so I went up to see what was going on and, um, and there was Cuban salsa was playing. And I, I seen everyone in there smiling and happy and all that. And I asked what was going on to the girls at the desk, and they said, oh, this is Cuban salsa. And I said, I have to learn it. And that was it, I never looked back. You love it? I love it, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. How many times are you doing it? Well, when I was living in Crookwood, I used to go sometime uh, three times a week, two or three times, because uh, it's more close to central London, and now I'm on the outskirts of London, I don't go in as much. But uh, I loved it, and like, for me, it was a kind of like la- a lifesaver, because it's a social life, without going back to the pubs, where uh, all my old mates were and all that kind of stuff. Did you distance yourself, Vinny, when you came out of prison? Yeah, yeah. To help I, change your life? Yeah, I don't hang around with anyone that I used to hang around with before. Did people try and get you involved in jobs? And No. Nah? Well, like, by the time I came out, nearly everyone had moved on or some of them had moved out of the area. Some might have been locked up already. Or dead. Or dead. And, um, and so um, I didn't want to go back into uh, the pub atmosphere because it had never been good for me, like, all the years growing up. Whenever I used to go into the pub, sometime I'd get in trouble when I come out of the pub through drink, something like fighting or smashing a shop window or doing something stupid. And I was doing, uh, committing crime to, make, uh, to get money for drink, to go out drinking and all this stuff. So uh, too much alcohol was never any good for me. Yeah, it? That sends you over the edge, drinking. Yeah, well, I, I'm, a ha- I'm a happy person when I'm drinking, but um, I would end up drinking too much and I wouldn't go to work the next day if I had a job and then um, so then I'm back to where I was no job and I was fucking early you're sick to death of it you're back where you started and so you could never get ahead you know did you ever do a job drunk? Uh, I did have a few drinks one day before doing a job yeah yeah how was that experience? Yeah, it was good crack yeah yeah, yeah I enjoyed it yeah because I know you're, I've had no Razor Smith on who's an, I've had no Razor Smith on the show oh yeah yeah who's another notorious bank robber yeah, yeah I know uh, he's a good friend good of mine friends yeah. and all yeah is that because of the relation of the work you used to do? Yeah, well, um, me and Noel, uh, we, ne- we, we, were, we both used to go to the same club years ago when we was, I was about 16, 15, or, and I liked rock and roll music and the dancing and all that. And um, Noel used to go to the same club. Uh, I never met him at the time. I used, to, I used to see him, but I didn't know him. He was from South London. I was from North West. Yeah, Noel's got a great story, a great guy. Yeah. He changed his life also. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And I, I met Noel in the prison, and, um, and when he showed me some pictures up on his wall, and I was saying, bloody hell, I knew this person, I knew that. 
like he was into the rock and roll scene and uh, and and then we just bonded from there you know yeah yeah so is there any banks that you ever did or any jobs that you ever did that sticks out to you that you remember any jobs that i had done that yeah. stuck out to me uh some of them that was good yeah some of them that i liked yeah i would like um sometimes robbing a security van and uh and getting away with it obviously it was good fun at the time you know no one got injured because we yeah. wasn't interested in injuring people we just wanted the money did you use guns then? yeah we would use guns yeah yeah what was the the whole experience like then from your first job to your last job mm. was it is it still the same was it still the same buzz from the first to the last or was it just it might sound weird but was it getting boring the same shit day in day out yeah I would get um, I suppose towards the end of it in 2000 um, you would still kind of get the same kind of buzz but when I was thinking of it I was thinking we're not earning enough money and and, and that was it you know so I was getting a bit bored of it how was your experience when you were doing your life sentence uh, 20, 22 years I was doing yeah uh, how was it um, sometime it was good Sometimes it was bad, sad, you know, like the sad parts are when you're missing your family, obviously. And but um, I was there with my brother. And once you've got a few uh, decent people around you, and uh, then you would have a good crack with them, go to the gym with them, training with them, cooking with them. And, uh, and that was fine, you know. So what's the plans for you now, Vinny, for moving on from everything, from the life you've been involved in mm. to now, to kick on and... and really do something with your life that yeah. you want to do? Well, what I'm doing now, um, I do the carpentry and... Um, refurbishing work and decorating and all that but I've also got into hypnotherapy and over a year ago I qualified as a um, hypnotherapist yeah well done yeah I've got a diploma in um, hypnotherapy and psychotherapy and I've done another, a couple of upper, other um, hypnotherapy courses rapid induction uh, yeah. courses as well because I want to do that you know what about stuff like NLP yeah I've I, I done an NLP course with Dr Bandler who's the co-founder of NLP yeah that's right yeah I've done yeah, a course yeah. with him um yeah, so I'm a licensed NLP practitioner. Because they're all together. That yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. When I done the NLP course, I was afraid kind of of, of, of going for the course because I thought, ah, oh, it's beyond me. I thought, ah, oh, everyone that's going to be doing the course is going to be so well educated. And I thought, I'm just a working class kid. And I had that kind of mindset. And um, I went on the course and I was talking to a fellow next to me and I asked him, what do you know about NLP? He got, I, had all, I knew a bit about it because I'd read a few books. Mm-hmm. But he, this guy never knew nothing. And so I thought, fucking hell, I thought, I thought everyone here was going to know all about the course, but I, I, it was wrong, you know, so it was a limiting belief. And uh, that was holding me back, that I was having, I didn't think I could achieve this, I didn't think I could achieve that. And so I'd done that course for a week, and, um, and, uh, and I felt good that I'd done it. And yeah. from then, that springboarded me on to taking action to becoming a hypnotherapist is what yeah, I wanted well, to get into well hypnotherapy done. yeah it's good that you've read that kind of stuff to understand that you can rewire your brain that yeah, you can you're definitely, in control yeah. of your life yeah, that's you right. control your feelings and emotions exactly yeah do you know what I mean because they said what you think about you become yeah, exactly and when me and my brother Sean was out here all we was thinking about was robbing banks we didn't intend to become Britain's number one notorious robbers or anything like that we were just robbing banks yeah that was, uh, that was all we thought about so you're do you ever speak in schools or anything, Vinny? No, I've never spoken in any schools. Would you like to start no. doing stuff like that? If there was the opportunity and, um, yeah. and, uh, and if it was for a good cause and that, then, then I would consider it. Yeah, listen, you've been through the wars, you've, you've, you've got the experience, you've spent life in prison, yeah. but the fact is that you've educated yourself, not always said knowledge is power, and the brain will only repeat what it knows, and if that's all you knew, then robbing banks, that cycle is always only going to repeat itself. When you start doing new things, start learning about the brain, start educating yourself, yeah. then you can start choosing. Wait a minute, I don't need to choose that life. Exactly. I can do other shit. Yeah, that's right. There's a man I watched and always mentioned him called Joe Dispenza. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I watch him quite a bit. Powerful yeah. stuff as yeah, well yeah, about the proper, mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How the neurons in the brain changing yeah, the neural yeah, pathways. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter what age you are, you can fucking change. Yeah, of course. Do you know what I mean? You can but choose. No, I, got, I got into watching uh, Les Brown, uh, motivational speaker, yeah, and uh, Eric Thomas. Yeah. And I was watching them when I first got out of the nick. And I was saying, wow, this is amazing, you know? Mm. And from going on some personal development weekends like uh, with a guy named Elliot K, he was also known as the coach with the hat. And I went to a free weekend when he was doing it at a Hilton Hotel in London and he'd done a personal development thing for about 100 people. And, uh, and when I seen what was going on and I thought, this is it. I know I'm around, I'm around uh, like-minded people, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that was all good for me. And that's yeah. helped me to, all that is a part and parcel what helped me to uh, yeah. keep on a straight and narrow. Les Brown used to say all the time, people's opinion of you doesn't have to be a reality. Yeah, that's right. Do you know what I mean? Well, he, he was classed as... Um, basically a retard for want of a better word that's what he was called at school and he was born on an abandoned building on the floor by by from a single mum and now he's a motivational speaker worth millions and he's like he says if he can do it like anyone can do it it's just about the belief though of course it's about the belief so you've got that mindset now you've got the motivational mindset it's kind of spiritual as well Vinny Um, where you go right I'm changing now so You've obviously believed in a lot of attraction, you mentioned Yeah, that. I have, yeah. Like, I've read that book as well, yeah, and the seen secret. the videos, yeah. 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 So what's your goals for the future then? What's your plans? My plans are, what I want to do long term is um, to become like a successful hypnotherapist mm-hmm. and uh, helping people to change their beliefs and their, like, and their minds, their attitudes or whatever. And um, if I could help people uh, even to uh, like staying away from crime or whatever, even though I think maybe it's a long shot, but... Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and with the with a book uh, that my friend Noel is working on, mm-hmm. he's working on a book about uh, my life or and a part of the lifestyle that I lived with my brother Sean. So he's working on that book, and uh, we've got another book coming out as well. That, um, there's a, a chapter about my life in that called the Green Bloods, which Noel Smith and uh, Andy Nolan are working on. Okay, and all that kind of stuff is um, if there's money comes in from that, it's going to help me to achieve more of my goals. You know. Yeah. And uh, and if I can help anyone else to uh, change their life around, then it's good satisfaction for me, you know. Definitely, and you've got to first of all believe it. Do you know what I mean? That yeah, anyth- anything can be done. And it's it. good that you're trying to get your books out because mm. it will come in legit money, and then this is where you can start doing other things because yeah. your story they can start making into maybe a documentary, mm. a film, new books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's all of about course. opportunity and yeah, open no, I believe it can happen. Like I said. We didn't uh, plan on being Britain's number one robbers, armed robbers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we were successful and, and we were doing it for so long. And so if we can become Britain's number one robbers, what else can you become number one at? Yeah. It's, just, it's just a matter of keeping at it. Yeah. Well, it's the same as drug dealers, mm. entrepreneurs. They're selling a product. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's drugs, they could go and sell socks, yeah. microwaves. It's a product. Of course They've it got is. that entrepreneurial yeah. skills. They have. Do you know what I mean? And the thing is, and if the people didn't want the drugs, there wouldn't be no job for them. Yeah. So why are they taking the drugs? Mm-hmm. I believe if you're number one at something, you can be number one at something else. Yeah, of course you can. Where your you focus goes, your energy flows. Exactly, you know exactly I mean? that's right. What do you think for people who are watching, who are maybe thinking going down that route of crime, robberies, mm. selling drugs? What advice would you give for them? Well, I'd say, I'd say it's not worth it because you're getting the money. You could be getting the money quick, but what do you? I don't know. Everyone might not spend all their money on negative lifestyle or whatever, but it's bad money anyway. At the end of the day. It's what you're going to do with it, and what I was always told: what you get easy, what comes easy goes easy, and what you get bad goes bad. And so, um, 
nothing really any good ever came out of the money that we stole and we stole a, we stole a fortune you know did a lot of, how much do you think through the years you've had Probably over a million pound, maybe more, maybe one, to one, one and a half to two million. I don't know. How did people treat you there then? What do you mean? Which did type of people did they want to be around you because what you were doing? Because you had mm, the money. Mm. You, you get the leeches. You know that yourself, yeah. and you're doing good. You'll get the leeches. But as soon as that disappears, as soon as you're in prison, you don't fucking hear from them. Yeah, they I know. That's right. Care. Yeah, yeah. You don't hear from the people when you're in prison, but. I never expected to hear from the people um, like when I was in prison. I didn't rely on them. Uh, I had my brother, my younger brother Liam, and that was enough. Him and my sister Maggie helped us all. Helped us a lot. And um, but what can you do? You know, you yeah. just that's the way it goes. It's all part and parcel of it. And I always say, everybody, no matter the, the past you've got, you've got to thank it because it's made you who you are today. And if yeah, you exactly, can, yeah. you, as long as you utilise it from your mistakes to then try and help others to yeah. then become a better person exactly yeah and because in hindsight the past is a great thing and people say oh do you regret that you can't regret anything no as point. long as you yeah. learn from your mistakes mm. to try and then you must try and utilise mm. it to help others that they don't go down the same route because everything whether you're robbing banks remember the people in those banks as well they're going to receive that trauma some of them still have maybe have that trauma now that effect that mm. has on them but as long as you can help change and become a better person that's all you can work on exactly the only person you should become better in is the person you were yesterday I believe yeah you've got to try and make a role model for yourself my son is now 22 years old and I wouldn't want him going down the same footsteps uh, or getting in the same trouble that I did as mm. I was growing up yeah your kids are a reflection of you mm. so they'll follow in your footsteps doesn't matter what you tell them they'll yeah. follow what yeah, you do yeah of course they, what they see it's not what they hear I think even though they might hear it but when they see you actually um, living a different lifestyle and doing yeah. Then they, then they copy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you, so that's how you become a role model, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And listen for changing mm. your life and try to educate yourself and doing the NLP stuff and the yeah. hypotherapy. It takes guts because the people who look into that life, people start thinking, what's he doing that for? They don't understand that. Yeah. Not a lot of people understand it, so it becomes a lonely journey as well. You mm. tend to see you're doing all this on your own. Doing what? Like um, all not your changing your life yeah, kind yeah. of lifestyle. Yeah, of course, and it is like you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like, you feel like you're on your own and you're thinking, fuck this, but what can you do? you just got to keep on going, you know? Yeah. I would like to add also, like, even the South has seen in that when I was in the hostel, the hostel was paying for me. They pay for a prisoner, uh, ex-prisoner, while they're in the hostel. They pay for you to um, do purposeful activities in the community. And their purposeful activities was, like, they would pay for you to go to the gym uh, and a couple of other uh, things. And, uh, but I said to him, I goes, I'm sick to death of going to the gym. I goes, I've been in the gym in the nick for the last 12 years nearly. I goes, I don't want to go in another bloody gym. I would go in now and then, but, but when I found the salsa scene, I goes, I wanted money to pay for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the money. And uh, so they started uh, funding that £10 for a couple of lessons. And, uh, and I started doing it with Cuban Vibes down in Crookwood. I'd like to mention them because they helped yeah. me a lot. Even when I didn't have the money and they, um, the... the the, the hostel would stop paying for the, the lessons and I wasn't working uh, people at Cuban Vibes they um, they let me keep going for nothing you know yeah. so respect to them for that yeah so you're in a good place Vinny and it's good to see no matter what you've been through brother we'll leave the links on the bio for maybe your social media if anybody wants for you go and do talks at schools documentaries books get involved in Vinny it's a great story and thanks to the lads for setting it up today as well so for coming on today, Vinny. Yeah, no it's been an absolute pleasure, brother. Yeah, nice you. to meet Good you. Good luck yeah. for the future. Okay, thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, cheers.
You can also watch my podcast on my YouTube channel. The link is in the bio if you'd like to subscribe. You can follow me on my social media platforms to see who my next guest is. Follow me on Facebook at JamesEnglish11, Twitter, JamesEnglish0, Instagram, JamesEnglish2. You can also download these podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Sports Social Podcast Network.